Hello, and welcome to The Marvel Virgin, a podcast all about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is Paul, and I'm a Marvel Virgin. And my name is Kaylee, and I'm a Marvel whore. For each episode, Paul is watching a Marvel movie or TV series for the very first time, and with my help, we'll be delving into the good and not-so-good aspects of the MCU, and navigating the secrets and intricacies of this big and complex universe. If you'd like to send in any questions, comments, factoids, or even if you'd like to correct anything we've said, after all, we're not perfect, then you can tweet us at the Marvel Virgin. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the show. Kaylee, before we start, I've got something to tell you. This is our 30th full-length episode. That's amazing. Look at us go. We made 30 episodes. Well, at the point of speaking, we've made 29. But 30 if you count the really short one, but I'm not going to count the short one. That 15-minute episode zero thing. So this is episode 30. This is episode 30. It will say 31 on Apple Podcasts, but don't listen to them. They're lying. It's Mm. episode 30. (laughs) <laughs> that's very cool oh my god how many look how many marvel things you've watched i have i've come so far in my journey yeah. and i just want to thank you and jesus and yeah. madonna i guess stanley maybe stanley oh yes that'll be him <laughs> <laughs> robert downey jr for making you robert downey jr yes um and former president gerald ford Rose inspiration. I don't a know. rogue option of former presidents. I like that. <laughs> wow. That's really, I'm actually very proud of us. I know. We've come this far. Yeah. And now um, we but... end it. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm actually trying to think how many we will have done overall when we finish the world of Marvel, but they are making more. I so think we'll they are making new ones. So I guess it's an infinite number right now. But if we get, if we were to go to the end of phase three, um, then, and there is a fuck ton in phase three, we'd be about 50 episodes. That's pretty good. We should get yeah, ourselves... That's like 60% them. of the way through the stuff, because by the time we get to there, we'll be watching stuff in real time rather than retrospectively. Yeah. So, that's cool. Yeah. Go we'll us. Have to, we'll have to get like, I don't know, some sort of big cake to celebrate when we hit 50. Yeah. I get, yeah. And it'll, it'll have 50 on it. And yeah. a superhero of some kind. Imagine ordering that. The baker will be so confused. So for a 50-year-old person, and they love Marvel. I will say, yes, you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. (laughs) We'll get them to ice it all in. Please please rate and review us. (laughs) (laughs) And we will rate and review your cake accordingly, depending on what you say. Yes. (laughs) So for episode 30, we're doing The Punisher. Or, or as as we should say, The Punisher. Sorry, yes, I don't know we, why. We've got to talk like The Punisher. He talks like that all the time, the actor who plays him. I was reading some of his quotes and you're like, oh, <laughs> that's going to be fun when I read them out later. He does He does sound like he has permanent laryngitis, doesn't he? Yeah. It's very um, Batman-esque because he's always like, I'm Batman. And you're like, okay. <laughs> Batman, no. Daredevil was Batman-esque. This is like a freaking Saw film. <laughs> yes. Well, he kind of is a bit like Jigsaw. It is, <laughs> I guess. But He's a precursor. He is a precursor for the Jigsaw murderer, yeah. yeah. It, like, I was so struck by how violent some of this was. And I, I thought know. I'd seen violence in Marvel already. This was insane sometimes. 
Yeah, I know that's one of my one of my problems with it, I guess, because I kind of like violence when it's funny, like Dead, uh, Deadpool, very funny, very violent. But with this, I feel like it's kind of like uh, I don't know, like a lone white man with a gun killing people. It's kind of a bit on the nose sometimes. That's the thing. I I'm torn between that being a strength and a weakness because hmm. I kind of so it, yes incredibly violent and I was also struck by the fact that um people kept being stabbed like multiple times and hit over the head multiple times but just kept going yeah um, which okay it's Marvel it doesn't have to be completely realistic but at the same time I'm like does anyone die in this? can or the, obviously people die but can these main characters die or do they just get beaten to a pulp and then just get up again and beat the next person to a pulp? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm thinking of the main villain guy, not Billy Russo. Sorry. He is the main villain guy. The other main villain guy, the really evil um, commander in the army with the bald head, And he goes completely crazy. Mm. Um, and Frank, so when he dies, Frank like stabs him several times, beats his head against the floor several times strangles him gouges out his eyes and and does all this stuff to him like it's an insanely long and brutal death but i just think he would have bled out after like two stab wounds surely and just died yeah <laughs> before it was he even bit, got to the eyes a bit torture porny i guess um remember when that lara croft game came out the new tomb raider and everyone was very upset because it's just constant close-ups of her like breaking her leg and like having to ban and limping around oh the newest ones yeah people were like they were quite violent yeah quite scary violent but yeah, I, I mean, like, oh i kind of liked I, when I she just them. when she just died you know and like a little crumpled heap and you just load her back up again rather There's, than she's like oh i'm in so i watched pain. one clip where she like yeah she can go over a waterfall and then get skewered through the neck by like a spike or something which was yeah usually usually she just kind of go like in the old ones you just see like a little sort of pixelated bit of blood. She goes, uh, uh, and just falls over. And then we like folds into like eight pieces and you're like, oh, origami to her again. Whoops. <laughs> but then she's like, no, it's gonna, it's a lasting thing. Because back then, back then she's so pixelated. She looks like one of those wooden dolls that you can fold around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas now it's just like, oh, it's a bit too much. And I don't know, it was like, I've read, I've read a review where it's like, it's like a lazy, violent fantasy. That's what they basically said, where it's like you can kill people without ever leaving your house or car mm. because you're like seeing it all through his eyes and it's really lengthy and, you know. But going back, yeah. So yeah, going back to what you said about how it's like a lone white guy with a gun and mm. that connects up to what you just said about it being a bit lazy and stuff. I see why people uh, watching it, I kind of assume that people would see that as a bit of a weakness in it because it's not, very marvel but at the same time it was quite refreshing watching something that wasn't very marvel <laughs> oh yeah no I'm, I'm not gonna disagree there like it is very like different and i don't think i don't think it's bad i just mm. i wonder if like when it first came out i feel like when did it come out was it 2017 yeah i think we're still in 2017 wasn't there quite a lot of stuff like lots of shootings and stuff then so it kind of came out at a weird time because it felt a bit it's the las vegas shooting and you know yeah right. that was yes that was but las vegas i think is the deadliest shooting that's ever happened in america isn't it yeah i think so it's had the most deaths i think it felt a bit on the nose and mm. 
but obviously that is his his vibe but i feel like maybe it just needs to be tempered a bit with some humor yeah possibly to fit it in with the sort of marvel marvel ethos because even there's even like some sardonic jokes in daredevil jessica jones is very funny Mm. um and luke cage has like a sense of humanity and fun about him and i guess that's what was lacking why i would say about the punisher i over, I actually quite enjoyed it. I got, I thought it was slow to start. You know, you know, when people are like, oh, you know, you know, it gets better at episode six. You know, it was, it is one of those series where you're like, oh, keep going. Cause it kind of picks up around episode six or seven. And then mm. the second half of it, I was really, really into it. But I wouldn't really consider it a Marvel series because no, it it for starters, no one had powers. No. Of any kind. There was literally no one with powers. It was just, regular people killing each other yeah brutally and gouging <laughs> eyes out a lot <laughs> almost a every lot. couple of minutes and pushing faces against glass uh, and things oh. like that that made you yeah. really squeamish and it, it, it was such a quintessential netflix series it's slow it's brooding it's dark it's violent it pulls no punches and if I were to say, if if some, if I were to meet someone who doesn't have Netflix, I know that's like 0.1% of the population of the world, but if I were to meet someone who didn't have Netflix and they were like, what's a Netflix series like? I'd be like, watch series one of The Punisher. It's not the yeah. best thing in the world, but it is exactly what the Netflix tone is and what's so yeah. kind of fashionable at them. Well, I guess it's kind of going out of fashion a bit now, but... It, you know, in the 2010s, very fashionable. That kind of Game of Thronesy, Walking Dead kind of vibe. Yeah, that's very true. Actually, I think Game of Thrones probably was one of the when Walking Dead. They made it cool to see like grim and not not be able yeah. to get attached to characters. And it was time to be and Breaking Bad and Breaking Bad as well. It was time to be slow and intense and cerebral about it. And gritty and grit, gritty, gritty. Like you can, you've got grit in your teeth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel dirty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, no, I, I'm glad you liked it though. I guess it's a bit of a, a refreshing tonic from the Inhumans. Yes. I mean, <laughs> it, yeah, it stormed over. I completely forgot about Inhumans for a second there. Thank you for reminding me of that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, like it, I would say it very, like my top three series at the moment are probably Jessica Jones, then Daredevil, then Luke Cage. Hmm. It very nearly, nearly replaced Luke Cage, but I think I'll keep Luke Cage there because it does have the humanity aspect. It does have elements of humour to it. Um, and also Luke Cage has like a a tone all of its own, doesn't it? With yeah, the music it and the way it's shot and it's, it's setting and stuff like that. Whereas the Punisher is quite generic. Oh yeah, that's another thing. Like he, even though he's a very distinct character, he also has. You could put anyone in that role. Mm, yeah. Like you could be like, oh, anyone who's on a quest for vengeance. Could yeah, be. it's not a Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man situation where it's like, well, who else would play him? Like, yeah, no exactly. You could be like, oh, maybe it's a different Punisher every season. That feels very Netflix, like an anthology season. Having said all that, there were many bits of storyline that I really liked. I really liked the theme around um, the army and mm -hmm. sort of PTSD from that and also corruption within armies and pri the idea of private armies. Yeah. I thought, I find that really, really interesting that there are these sort of, you can hire a privatized army, which sounds crazy when you get right there. You, you assume the army is something just run by the government, but I guess it doesn't have to be, does it? Um, 
I liked this. I really liked the storyline around him, around Frank Castle kind of becoming a protector of um, uh, Micro's family and mm. Micro's watching them. And I thought that was actually handled quite well. I'm thinking of the bit where he, the wife is drunk. She thinks that Micro is dead and she kisses Frank and Micro sees it, Lieberman, so he sees it on camera, but he doesn't kind of like, get angry at either of them because he kind of understands why that happens. Like she thinks he's dead. So, and she's grieving still. And I kind of like that because it could have been so easily like you kissed my wife and start hitting each other. And that would just be tedious. Cause it's like, that won't happen. Mm. Cause he'd be like, well, she thinks I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. I think there are really, it's very compelling, like all the way through. You're and, not bored. Are you? Yeah, no, no, I wasn't. I certainly wasn't bored and it got better as it went along. Mm. I think I really also really liked the storyline around the army guy. It wasn't really connected to the main storyline. It was like the subplot of the guy who basically becomes radicalized and he starts making bombs and stuff. Cause he's so kind of traumatized and disenfranchised by his life in the army that mm. um, he, he becomes a terrorist, um, but he's a white terrorist. And that's kind that's of, fine. that's, that's kind of that. Well, it's <laughs> like in newspapers, he wouldn't be referred to as a terrorist. No, he'd be like, oh, he has psychological problems. So exactly, yeah. Because whereas if he wasn't white, it would be like, terrorist. Um, oh, yeah, before they'd even decided what his motives were. He was a terrorist completely. Terrorist. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you're the shooter at Las Vegas, they're like, troubled man. with a... I, I thought his character arc and the, the stuff he encounters as he goes through it was really, really interesting. And very, and this word is going to enter our lexicon, very Trumpian. Oh, Trumpian is a good word. Very Trumpian, yeah. 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 Actually, you're right. He does feel, it very much feels like a Trump era program. Mm. Now you said that. Yeah, definitely. It does feel that way because it was, you know, first full, uh, at the end of the first full year of his administration. Mm. Um, and they sort of brought up issues around, because, um, you know, Trump supporters fucking love veterans of the army. They really do. They really <laughs> veterans conservative people love veterans so they're kind of bringing up what it is to be a veteran of the army particularly a very corrupt army <laughs> oh yeah 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 the <laughs> the most corrupt maybe yeah. i don't know i'll put it they up touch on thing. they touch on gun control in a really interesting way as well and yeah so i thought there was a lot of good story elements there i think like i said it was probably a bit too generic for it to be to elevate the marvel series as a whole Mm. but I liked it yeah and I guess it's interesting to have an anti-hero mm. um, that was something I yeah they handled that quite well because even at, by the end of Daredevil you don't like him you you are scared of him and you think he's done bad things so they made him into a more sympathetic character as it went along in quite a good convincing way as well yeah it's kind of crazy that he um I feel I, I'd need to look into the 70s a little bit more but that's when he came into the comic books was like ni- 1972, mm. 1973, four. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was probably one of the the only anti-heroes at that time. And he was very brutal. And I mean, we've seen him. <laughs> he doesn't exactly shy away from using some real dirty tactics to get what he wants and very violent. But people, people really liked him. Yeah. So what was going on in the 70s that made that? Made him the so 70s was a dark time. Like, Apparently think, it was. I thought we were all like, you know, woo, 
Diet like, Coke. When when Doug and I did our Doug and I do our blog about the um the Oscars and we, we went through the best all watching all the best picture Oscar films. The 60s was all like the sound of music, my fair lady, Oliver, <laughs> la 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 la. And then um <laughs> Uh, then it hits the 70s suddenly it's French Connection The Godfather The Godfather <laughs> Part 2 One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest The Deer Hunter and everyone's just dying in really brutal and horrible ways and the women are all abused because it's all written by men and it's like the 70s was a fucking miserable but time why? why was everyone so miserable? <laughs> I think I think it was Vietnam I think Vietnam did oh. Of course, and that makes sense with this particularly, actually. Yeah, there was so much more, and Vietnam and Watergate. Um, mm. in America, there was so much disenfranchisement with, and uh, so much distrust of the American government and of establishments of authority. So a lot of films of the seventies were about vigilantes, and who is the Punisher? But a vigilante. Well, you know, because you because ta- of you saying Vietnam, I've I've googled, and apparently the Punisher was actually inspired by a series, a book series, mm-hmm. um, about a Vietnamese vet, a Vietnamese, a Vietnam veteran, Mac Bolan, who's a serial killer of criminals after the mafia-related deaths of his family, there and he's go. called the Executioner, there and he went do that and do like a real dark, twisted. So he's, one. he's actually a really interesting figure in kind of comic book history then isn't he yeah very much so for sure and it's interesting how he he comes from the 70s where that sort of thing was quite popular and now he's entered the trumpian era for want of a better term um where he's interesting in a different way in that you kind of like the vigilante but also you see the faults of a vigilante you see why actually vigilantism is a bad thing so slightly more nuanced i guess that's very interesting it is. Let's okay. do some plot, shall we? <laughs> As we and all our many, many listeners know, at the end of Daredevil season two, Frank Castle is believed to be dead. Mm. But he's not dead. Um, mm. And he is working <laughs> under a different name on a building site. Yes. And um, he's totally aloof and keeps to himself. He's still traumatized by the death of his family. And this was over, this was bit was overdone. Like he keeps having dreams of them being shot. And this happens like quite a lot in the first, first few episodes. And I was like, I get it. He's traumatized. I get like, let's move past this now. I know you can't move past it, but yeah. like, stop telling me this. I know. <laughs> I feel like they do that to keep reminding you why he's a character that you you can root for and get behind. It's like, but he has this, but then this is, this is one of the things I have as a problem with it. Like if you think about all those newspaper stories about, people who murder their wives or whatever and it doesn't say anything mm. about the wife it'll be like upstanding citizen uh i can't think of a name jack smith mm. or it was a head teacher and beloved by his community mm. and he snapped and killed his wife and you're like well i didn't need to know about all the upstanding bit because he's he's a murderer so that's not but i think they managed to make him likable and someone to root for through his actions throughout the story mm. and through that curve so maybe some kind of reminder of it but I actually don't think they needed it but maybe the writers didn't know that when they made it I don't know it's yeah, hard to tell I think it's, that's it's, probably yeah. that's probably what they were thinking I mean they could probably have just done him waking up with a you don't need to see the dream every time you just see him waking up like <gasps> yeah or just or like hear it or something you hear the dream because ah. you know, if you've seen it once you know what it is and stuff and every now and then she, he can be like, you know, my wife and children were murdered like that. And or something, I don't know, throw it in the script somewhere. <laughs> it in. 
All right, there's your notes for the writers there. Yes. <laughs> I like that um, his way of being anonymous is like growing a beard also. That was... I know, yeah. I was like, it's pretty recognisable and his face has been splashed across every newspaper. Someone's surely going to know who he is. I know. They'd be like, oh, oh, and they removed the beard. And they're like, oh, oh shit, man. It's the Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> that quiet, creepy guy is even more creepy than we knew. No. <laughs> Um, we're also introduced to a character called Curtis, who's one of the few people who knows Frank is alive. He served with Frank in the military and now runs counselling sessions for veterans. He's a nice guy. Yeah, I mean, that's a very good thing to do. We are also introduced to Dina Madani, who is the female lead. Um, and she works for Homeland Security. And she is investigating military operations that Frank was involved in because she thinks something's wrong. Basically, her partner was killed um yeah she had a video of her work partner being murdered by frank's detachments uh but it was stolen and she's looking for the truth because they're trying to cover up these kind of dirty things that the army that frank did whilst in the army this whole his whole detachment was led by corrupt people and that's a capital c for corrupt Mm -hmm. and her boss is like no you don't need to investigate this move no, on he's more of that he's like don't you fucking investigate this he's like really <laughs> aggressive and like it's, I, I, if she's like hmm, maybe i should investigate it i'm like yeah maybe you should dina maybe you should yeah. Yeah. I, I mean he's acting very suspiciously i'd investigate him first <laughs> i liked dina though i thought she was a really cool character i liked and dina too i like like i i shouldn't compare her to all the other female characters but you know what i'm gonna do it anyway um because all women are compared with to be fair, I compare the male characters as well. I know, so. I was only teasing you. <laughs> We're all about gender equality here. Um, but she's very tenacious. Like mm. she <laughs> there are so many times where she's just like, well, I'm just gonna get a gun and go on my own then. Like, and she's, she's so kind of like blank faced and unfeeling about it. she's like, well, I'm just gonna do it. <laughs> she's very good at conveying emotion with her eyes. I feel like her eyes are very good at being like, I'm fucking furious i'm like yeah you are <laughs> <laughs> you really are your face but, is so but every time the, but... The, her like mentor guy and her mother the mentor guy is played by the dad from ugly betty mm. the mother is played by that iranian actress who like is so recognizable because she has a voice that sounds like she smokes a lot <laughs> and um they they're constantly like you really shouldn't be doing this she's like i'm gonna do it anyway and I, every time i'm like why <laughs> listen to them <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe just go for brunch chat it over see what they want to say mm. and then maybe just yeah don't don't do it but i, I said i i wrote down here she's got she's got less moral reasoning than karen page mm. she's less hostile than jessica jones she's actually quite a nice person yeah. um she's not as sardonic as misty knight but mm -mm. she's almost quite relentlessly like i'm gonna get my person oh yeah yeah it's like a dog of a bone <laughs> yeah which i guess makes her the kind of the, the the counterbalance for frank in that he's same but he uses such violent and horrendous ways to do it which could potentially lead to innocent people dying whereas she's she's not very careful but she's not going to shoot random people <laughs> and that's that's the ideal balance i'd say yeah that's what we all aspire to really isn't it? <laughs> not too careful but won't shoot the wrong person. Yeah. <laughs> Ta -da! Done. She wants to talk to another military colleague of Frank who was also in the detachment. His name is Billy Russo, played by our very own Ben Barnes. I love Ben Barnes. 
Mm, the pr- Prince Caspian of our hearts and in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and he's a he's a good character for this. He was Dorian I, Gray, wasn't he, previously? He was, but that was a bad Dorian Gray. Like I know, but I, I think that, you know, he's got like he's got the motive of Dorian Gray in this character, I feel. Yes, yes. It's like he's a very believable villain. I didn't think he was a very believable soldier. They kept being like, uh, like they made jokes about how he's like so good looking and stuff. And I'm like, surely he'd have some kind of bruise anywhere, like a scar. He wouldn't have this perfect hair. In yeah, but he does look after himself. You don't see him moisturizing. Maybe he did have scars and he just moisturized them all the way. I don't know whether army guys had moisturizer when they're out in the field. We don't know. We've not done it. They I'll might call one up and find out. <laughs> Ask Russ Kemp. I've seen him. He's done the SAS uh, thing. You'll know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll get. I'll. I'll drop him an email. We'll find out. But I feel like they would be able to because if you think about it, in The Handmaid's Tale, they use little bits of butter to moisturize mm. when they can't get moisturizer. So if they can figure it out, I'm sure a soldier can. True. I don't know if a dystopian fantasy is yeah, it's the real. best piece of advice. Really. <laughs> I remember reading that being like, okay, if I run out of moisturizer, butter will work. That's the main lesson I've taken from the Hermit's <laughs> She manages to get in contact with Billy Russo because she, this is so funny. So her manager, Carson Wolf, is like, don't you fucking investigate it. And she's like, well, you know, Billy Russo also has this private army company called Anvil. Maybe we connect with them. And she's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, oh, she's so sneaky. <laughs> and they also start sleeping together, but she's kind of using him. Again, this is like the relentlessness. She's so kind of cold in it. She's just like, yeah, I'll just sleep with him in order to get what I want. Meanwhile, we've also got the mysterious micro whose name was on the, the CD at the end of Daredevil season two. He's a guy called Lieberman who tracks Frank down and he's in hiding because he was the one who was given the video of Dina's partner's murder and sent it to her. Hmm. And he got found out and then uh, attacked and killed in inverted commas by Dina's (laughs) manager, boss man. But he's not dead. He wasn't dead and he's hiding and he's got cameras in his family home so he can watch his wife and children um, to make sure that they're okay. But can't really do anything about it. They're not okay. No, exactly. You just watch them die if they're in trouble. He just, <laughs> okay. just watches them and then cries. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, and he, uh, Frank, him and Frank kind of team up, um, and Frank sort of becomes a guardian of Lieberman's family, as I said before, and becomes quite friendly with them. Um, you know, the wife and the daughter get along with him. The son's a little asshole, but understandably so because. You know, it's just if, from his perspective, he thinks his dad's died. Um, but Frank manages to be like a man in his life because all boys need a man. Toxic masculinity right there. I thought it was a good dissection of grief, though. Yeah. Actually, um, not that I've ever been through this in, in my life so far, but um, she I thought the wife in particular was the, the actress was very good at showing someone who was trying to hold it together was also being quite stressed out. I thought it was believable yeah, that the daughter was quite mature and kind of like her sidekick and that the son would be acting out. No, um, I agree. I think mean, you've got lots of different examples of how grief plays out. Obviously, Frank is a very extreme version mm-hmm. of grief. He's stuck in the anger cycle, I would say. Yeah. Um, 
that's my theory but you, it's almost like you've got like the is it seven stages of grief you've always got them playing out yeah. in different places within this series which is interesting. yeah yes yeah everyone's like lost someone like dina's lost um her partner her, colleague, her friend her colleague and she's driven yeah. by that. and she also loses her other colleague as well he gets killed by billy russo and she's quite she's pretty pissed off about that yeah, yeah. they reference 9-11 at one point as well don't they and they talk mm. about how quickly you move on from things and it feels very grounded in that sense like it's talking about like obviously not with him but like the, the ways <laughs> that people <laughs> grieve and like process grief and mm. the different types of grief there are because i guess for 9-11 that's like almost a collective mourning for something that around the world we all felt that loss mm. even though we weren't a part of it and we did all move on but it's always in the back of our minds yeah so. yeah that is interesting yeah and every, everyone's a bit broken yeah they aren't they like everyone like even even when karen page comes into it we know her from daredevil she's gone through she i mean she's gone through trauma herself yeah, hasn't she, she although yeah it's like she's been a she's been held at gunpoint and a knife point more times than more more and times even. than i can count <laughs> <laughs> poor karen yeah no i completely mm. agree everyone's very broken that's a good point frank also kills dina's boss carson wolf when he finds out like his involvement in that um and she that this through this car chase she discovers that frank is alive and she wants she wants him so that she can question him uh, but he's obviously reticent about doing that because um he doesn't really want to go to prison <laughs> for all the many many murders he's committed <laughs> we gradually discovered that the operation frank and billy were involved in was called cerberus um another greek mythology reference look at that inhumans all over again what is inhumans no one knows what inhumans is silly word move on move on <laughs> and cerberus was run by a man named rawlins who was a pretty good, like, slimy character. And then at, towards the end of his life, <laughs> he goes utterly insane. Like, yeah. like loses his shit completely. Um, Billy discovers Dina's operation because the two have begun sleeping together. Um, so then he, that prompts him to contact Frank, who he thought was dead. Um, uh, but, but, <gasps> Billy Russo is in league with the evil Rawlins. Dun, dun, dun. No. And did you guess that was going to happen? Um, a little bit, yeah. I got that yeah. impression that he wasn't completely trustworthy. I didn't quite get why. I assume just like money. Yeah, I, I kind of got that vibe. Yeah. Also, they um they do kind of hint that he's a bad guy when they first introduce him. They refer to him as a man of wealth and taste, and that is never the a good line. Thing. The line from um. Oh my God, what's the song? Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of, about the devil. I don't know that song. You you would. It's the role. I'm sure it's the rolling sense. It's all about the devil. It's like, hope you guess my name. So it's kind of implying that he's the antagonist. If it's, if it's not by Britney, I don't know. Oh, well, maybe she did a cover. Yeah, Sympathy for the Devil. Oh. It's all about like... I'll probably recognise it if I hear it. You, you would, yeah. It's been covered quite a lot. I'm just, Not that your singing was bad, I'm just saying. It wasn't great. It wasn't the best. But I was trying to sound like a like a Rolling Stone. Yep, as I said, Karen Page becomes involved because Dina interviews her because she she knows, she finds out about her connection with Frank. Mm. Karen's still in contact with Frank, but and um, Karen being a journalist and being Karen Page, 
So of course she starts investigating herself. Yes, <laughs> she becomes that. involved. But she was <laughs> she was good. I I found the gun control debate involving her very interesting because she comes up against this politician who is anti guns, hmm. but he's kind of. I I get the impression he doesn't really care either way. He's just sort of saying it for votes, um, and doesn't really know what he's talking about. Whereas Karen carries a gun in her bag because she knows how dangerous the world is through her interactions with Matt Murdock and Frank Castle. Mm. And she kind of tries to emphasize to him, like, this is why people have guns is because of their fear and stuff. And she's, she's not pro guns as such, but she's giving the reality of it, which I thought was it's, very interesting. It's nice to have the nuance. Cause I guess um, being the people we are, we only really engage with the other side of the argument, like, Guns mm. are stupid. If you want to stop people shooting people, get rid of guns. Being, being European. <laughs> yes. We're like, we don't understand this. We don't even carry around water pistols, really, because it's too cold. Um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> it means nothing to us. And it rains a lot here. <laughs> it does. We don't need them. But, yeah, in America, you, it's really hard to sort of understand. Like, you just think it's like, um, you always assume it's going to be those people who's like, oh, it's our right to carry guns. But it's nice mm. to have that nuance and have someone who's like, you know, I'm carrying a gun because I'm afraid. And yeah, and I, I get it because it it made me think about how when when um, people who like guns in America, they say, well, if you ban us from having guns, only the bad people will have guns. And it sounds like a really simplistic argument. But actually, because guns have become so entrenched in American culture, if they were to just say, right, guns are outlawed, then people are just going to hide their guns, aren't they? Yeah. And then how yeah. are you going to get them? Like, how are, the pla- how are the police possibly going to get them from all 200 million, 300 million people in America? It's, it, even the good people with guns might be like, we're going to hide our guns so you can't have them. And, and then, therefore, you have all these illegal guns just flying all over the place. And there's so many loopholes as well. Like, I think I told you my dad was in Alaska and mm. there's some sort of rule where they can't sell, like, I think, automatic guns. I can't remember. But they were marketing them as, as hole punches. Oh, I guess they are. (laughs) Yeah, so technically, not a lie, but also... (laughs) You can't fault that logic. (laughs) (laughs) Very sneaky. Um, So they would probably find ways around it. It's it's Mm. a hard one to sort of suddenly go like, okay, no guns now. Everyone hand your guns in right now. It's not cool. Exactly. You Mm. you need to have like a plan in place. It it needs to be a step-by-step thing because it's just gone on for so long. And and like I said, so entrenched in there. And therefore it's understandable why someone like Karen, she's not going to use her gun willy-nilly. She's going to use it if she absolutely needs to. But it's kind of understandable why she'd want to have one because she's faced Mm. real guns and real, really, she's faced the frigging hand. She has. Like, multiple hands or multiple hands yeah five fingers of them (laughs) horribly yeah it's it's an interesting one personally i'm very of the opinion we don't need guns but i don't know how you could just get rid of them like that in countries like america so answers on a postcard people during all of this we have a young veteran called lewis wilson and he's in curtis's counseling sessions and he has pretty serious ptsd um he's super young but he's gone to war he's seen absolute hell and he's come back into society but he's completely detached from it he thinks he it's interesting i i get the impression that he thought he'd kind of go to war and come back all kind of glorified and covered in medals and stuff a little bit kind of like soldiers in world war one thought they were going to do when they went there and because he hasn't and because he 
he can't really get a job or go back into the army because of his sort of mental health issues and stuff like that. Mm. He's all a bit, and because of his trauma, um, you know, he, he has nowhere to kind of go. And that makes him very bitter. And therefore he becomes quite radicalized. Uh, well, very radicalized actually, doesn't he? I think that he he doesn't seem to deal with what he's seen either at all well. And I guess it's because you just wouldn't know how to deal with that. It, you would remove yourself from it. Like when he talks about yeah. how he, he saw that guy's head explode and he was like, oh, good shot. Because you probably would have to have that detachment or you would go insane, wouldn't you? And of course, there's this other guy in the um, in the counselling sessions who's a total, total Trump supporter guy. And he says things like, it's the radical left who we need to fight against, you know, and it's all kind of vague statements about, um, you know, we're going to need our guns for the war that's coming on our own soil and stuff like that. And there's no mm -hmm. there's no actual specification around who is the enemy, what is wrong with society or anything. He's just saying this stuff because youth, well, we think he's a traumatized soldier too it turns out he's a total fraud and never saw a day of combat in his life <laughs> <laughs> yeah which i thought was a really cool little sort of twist in the tale because that makes lewis even more furious because he gets taken in by this guy mm. and it turns out this guy's just doing it it's just an attention seeker basically he's just a lonely fat old man <laughs> yeah and it would make you feel like i think he he feels really detached from society because you come back from this awful place and you feel like no one understands you. You think you found someone who does, and then you realize that's a lie as well. It would probably just be the final straw, wouldn't Which, it? It was really well done because it really showed um, how, you know, radicalization is not exclusive to a certain religion or skin color. Actually, white people are radicalized just as much. In fact, really? most Trump supporters, I would say, are radicalized people. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it's just if, a, if an idea takes hold in your brain and just takes root and that's all you can think about, that kind of is radicalization, isn't it? So. Yeah. Yeah. And it, he then starts spiraling um, and starts making bombs, which he blows up in, in the city. He contacts Karen herself in the hope that she will sympathize. She very openly doesn't. And I thought it was kind of, it was very brave and stupid, but also kind of cool of her that she openly says on the radio, you're a dickhead. I don't like what you're doing at all. I do not sympathize with you. And I thought it was so Karen to make that big, bold statement. I thought they just they really did justice to her character. It was very Karen. I like that she reclaims the name Karen and makes it a good name again. <laughs> she does complain a lot. <laughs> but not yeah, to the manager. But, but not, in the same, not quite in the same way. She doesn't have the Karen haircut. You gotta give her credit where it's due. I love, I love how we've both also been like, that's so Karen, like we know her. Like, that's <laughs> so Karen. <laughs> but it is, we do know her. We've old Karen, her, what is she like? <laughs> Crazy old Karen, eh? Um, oh, then we have, because when she um, when she doesn't sympathise with him, he then goes off the rails. And we have this whole episode where um, she's in the hotel for like an interview or something, and you see this build up to him kidnapping her but told from different characters points of view and I really enjoyed that I love it when an episode does that kind of bottleneck thing where it's like one kind of scene but they're doing something really different with it I love that, yeah. show, that shit it felt very 24 I don't know why it just did I mean I didn't like that show but I used to love the concept of it being like oh my god it's happening now the concept was great but they didn't they never thought out the storyline ever no it never made sense that they would be able to do all of that stuff in 24 hours like 
literally and they have like isn't it tony in like season two gets shot in the head in episode one and by episode four he's had brain surgery to remove the bullet and he's back in work i'm like that's four hours that's four freaking hours it's fine they're very good and they're such i get that there's a week in between the episodes but that's meant to be four that's just in just ridiculous it was so ridiculous uh, well that would be the next one we can go back over 24, back over 24. <laughs> and pinpoint all the mad moments where you're like but when did they go to the toilet they haven't eaten for hours back to punisher all right yes <laughs> um yeah this whole episode escalates to the point where he attacks karen and kind of holds her at gunpoint slash night whatever like kidnaps karen she's the daphne of this scene and <laughs> um but frank saves her and then it all ends with Lewis being sort of pushed into a kitchen freezer and he blows himself up in there. Um, which it's is a sad, sad. It's a very sad ending for him because you kind of hope he's got like a chance at redemption almost. I think if it was made, it's interesting. I think if it was made now, I say now as if 2017 was a long time ago, but it is I think a more, grand scheme of a slightly more, yeah, a slightly more intelligent writer might have saved him and shown how he can recover. Um, mm. I feel like he's a character who becomes like a sort of sacrificial character. Like he he spirals, he goes crazy, so he dies. But I think it's there are people who do genuinely go through this, and I think it's probably it's probably realistic to see him dying like that. It, prob- it probably is, yeah. But, I just I had the same problem with um oh my god, what's it? A Star Is Born. <laughs> yeah. So that yeah. was remade for the third time, and I was kind of like, Fourth could time. you adapt oh, it? T- sorry, yeah, third time, yeah. So adapt it for twenty twenty one. Like maybe it could be good that he he does talk about his problems and he does find help, and it's a more positive message rather than the same old story of him, like the same story that came out in the fifties. You kind of want. yeah a more hopeful ending there's a crying out for more responsible storytelling Mm. that doesn't just show the reality of it but also shows how you could recover from certain things and I think it would have been nice to see him recover because ultimately this whole storyline doesn't really connect up to the main one at all he knows the characters He, he meets Frank he meets Karen he meets Billy Russo but a quick rewrite would just eliminate it completely Whereas if he'd sort of recovered and maybe become an ally of Frank, it kind of connects up a bit and also humanizes Frank a bit more. I think so. It kind of romanticizes almost like these sort of sad. Trauma. Yeah, it romanticizes yeah. his trauma. It's like, oh, you know, he ends in a in a torrent of flames and he's quoting yeah. that young British soldier and how lovely. I don't know. I just would have yeah, personally, I would have liked it to be a bit different. But I, I agree with you. I like the storyline a lot. Could have ended better. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. No, but it was very exciting. Again. It was very exciting, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, feared, I feared for Karen's life. <laughs> Quite rightly. They could not kill Karen, not in a series that wasn't Daredevil. That would be so shocking. Yeah, I mean, that, that would be... I mean, they could. That would be the ultimate twist, really. It would be, but you'd go back to Daredevil season three and he'd be like, where's Karen? And you'd be like, oh, he doesn't know! <laughs> <laughs> um, Billy Russo's true allegiance is discovered. Um, and he and Rawlins kidnap Lieberman's family. So this causes Frank and Lieberman to come out from their hiding. Frank swaps with the families. He's then kidnapped uh, by Rawlins and by Billy Russo. And there's that big, big scene where he's basically tortured by Rawlins and injected with like adrenaline and shit like that. And then he kills Rawlins in the most elaborate way I've ever seen on a TV series. I'm like, how did Rawlins like dies five times <laughs> somehow? Then it leads to... Uh, this big showdown at the fun fair 
on a carousel between Frank and Billy, which is where his family died, wasn't it? It was where Frank's family all got killed. Yeah, I, I believe. Think so um, so it, wasn't, it wasn't ever going to be a good time for him. No, it was no. By <laughs> <laughs> the end of episode twelve, you're like, still one more to go. <laughs> um, there's a massive, massive fight between them, a really brutal fight, and like Billy gets horribly disfigured by his face is just pushed up against broken glass by Frank. It is, and he gets really shot nice. through the through the mouth, like through the cheeks as well. Ooh. I know, and obviously they spend so much time building him up as someone who's quite quite vain um and quite like i don't know it's it just feels more more sadistic like because he wants to die at that point and frank's like ha i've made it worse for you so mm. no <laughs> like, oh this is a very dark twist it did, it did feel a bit i think ben barnes he acts well in this but i don't think he looks the part because you know an army guy is going to be quite big he's quite sort of he's like a slender little cobra isn't mm-hmm. he like and when him and when him and Frank are fighting, it's like it's like this little snake versus this big ball thing. But they're both throwing exactly the same kind of punch. Like like Billy yeah. Russo can literally like punch him as hard as he can get punched. And I'm like, he doesn't have the same level of strength, surely. Like, well, it doesn't feel like there's much jeopardy there because you're kind of like, well, Frank's mm-hmm. gonna win. But yeah, I don't feel that like he comes out of it a winner because he because of the way he deals with it, he doesn't, it doesn't feel like he's a good guy, the way he leaves that situation. No, but then that's true to him, isn't it? I, I completely I agree, but yeah. he's not, in the world of Disney, he, he would be a bad guy. I don't, I don't think Disney would know, wouldn't touch this with a barge pole, would they? <laughs> no, Billy, Billy would just fall, and we would be like, oh no, he fell, you wouldn't see it with us. Ow, my <laughs> finger. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't see his face being like grated, pretty much. Frank is thanks. So Billy is then arrested um, and I assume goes to prison. Frank is allowed a new life by Homeland Security for helping them. So he's given like a new identity and stuff. Um, And we see it ends with Frank joining Curtis's support group. Finally. (laughs) He needs that. (laughs) And Dina, Dina lives. That's nice. Dina lives. She was, she was, she was at the fight between him and Billy and she got shot. In the head, didn't she? Oh, she did, but she lives. She She did, because apparently that's fine. She probably got done by the same doctor who saved the guy in four hours of twenty-four. But but also, like no, like some people get shot instantly and die in this. The main characters get like stabbed, shot, beaten up, guys gouged out, everything. They just don't die. (laughs) Maybe that's the magic power bit, like that they just they're just very difficult to kill. He has a very high tolerance for pain, doesn't he, the Punisher? Not a very good tolerance for emotional pain. That's like a normal thing. I, I quite like this whole, like, he's looking to find out how to deal with the silence when the gunfire ends. He, it's not that he has a tolerance to pain, but he sort of is ga- gaining some kind of sadistic enjoyment out of pain. Mm. As yeah. a sort of release, possibly. I yeah, don't, I'm talking about this as if I know anything about it. I don't. I know. We should invite. We should start inviting like, experts on, like a, a PTSD specialist, and we're like, "What do you think?" We, like, we need. We need a radicalized know. white person to join our podcast on the Punisher, please. <laughs> if you know anyone, give us a shout. Thank you. I mean, it does. It does. It's good. It's good to have a series that tackles mm. real issues, which is. 
I thought they tackled it actually really, really well. I think the only thing that slightly lets it down maybe is that it doesn't have a voice of its own. It's just, it's very generic Netflix series. But if you like that sort of thing, you'll love this. And I did enjoy it actually. I think it could have been shorter. Yeah, maybe a couple of episodes down. It could So it could have got going a bit far. It does take four or five episodes to get going. Mm-hmm. But you know they did they did this and that's fine and obviously he's a very interesting character from the comic book universe and I'm interested to see what they did in season two. Ta-da! Ta-da! <laughs> and that is the Punisher. I don't feel very punished though. No, well also it's it's nice that it's always nice the way it's gone on. Like we had Inhumans just before it. The tone. I think if it come after well, the show, the show after, of which we do not speak before it. <laughs> yeah, but I think if it comes straight after one of the darker Netflix series, it would have been too much. I think we, we've been quite lucky in that um, when we've had a run of TV series, it's been like Disney, Netflix, Disney, Netflix, Disney, Netflix. And mm. that means you get once you've gone through the kind of family wishy-washiness of Disney, you get some kind of gritty drama. And once you've gone through the gritty drama, you get some lovely wishy-washiness. And it's, you know, it's refreshing to change. It would be interesting imagining how Disney would have handled the Punisher, actually. He'd have a sidekick. He'd be yeah, a talking yeah. raccoon. <laughs> yeah, it would have been really interesting to see that. Shall what we quiz it? Yes. All right. What do you believe it got on? Oh, my God. Everything disappeared on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, 70. 67. Oh, so okay. Hmm. Yeah, so people were like, oh, it had a bit of a rocky start. Mm-hmm. But it's still quite fresh. And it's nice mm-hmm. to have a action thriller version of a comic book series yeah i would have said i don't know yeah thriller i guess psychological thriller it's probably the angle i would come from. yeah i'd say so it's it's feels like those kind of revenge th- those really macho revenge thrillers you get in the 80s oh my god it does doesn't it yeah. it's like rambo is that who I yeah rambo-y terminatory kind of stuff why sorry i can't say the actor's name the actor who plays the punisher john bernthal that's how you say it. Okay. I'm gonna I think so. I'm going to go with John Bernthal. Yeah, JB. Um, he says um, he he could relate and the character resonated with him. Can you guess? <laughs> oh. <laughs> you, can, you, can you guess why? Because <laughs> he's a rampaging murderer. Yes. No, he says, this is what I mean about reading this quote out because it just sounds like Frank mm. Castle, but he ain't got a fucking cape. He ain't got any superpowers. He's a fucking tortured, angry father and husband who's living in this unbelievable world of darkness and loss and torment. So, and musical numbers. Da, 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 da. And um, he also said that um, when he was preparing for the role, he he studied every previous on-screen adaptation of The Punisher oh, and okay. like, devoured it and watched it all and then figured out how to make his own personal version of it. Hmm. I thought he was good. I liked him. He is, he is good. He is very good. Gritty. Gritty. Grit in your teeth. So he is one of two MCU characters to sustain the most wounds. <laughs> okay. Can you guess who the other person is? Um, Luke Cage. No. Daredevil. Oh. I th- he was my other guest. I thought Luke Cage because they always show him being shot a lot, and obviously they do, not. They? But it doesn't really affect him. He's just like, oh, oh. I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't oh. sure if it counts as wounds if you can't get wounded. 
No, it doesn't. It does not. <laughs> oh, I didn't read the rules. <laughs> I'm sorry. So Daredevil um, is the other one. They both lack superpowers, but they're very good at combat. Mm. Like, could you imagine them in the movie MCU? Like, do you think they'd hold their own in the Avengers? I think that um, I think Daredevil definitely has a place in there um, mm. because they can sort of, you know, bring him, make him a bit more family friendly. Because it's not him that's violent; it's everyone else in Daredevil. I think it's the Punisher good. is harder because he himself is defined by his ability to just stab people constantly. I know he is chaos, isn't he? Mm. <laughs> We've talked a little bit about this already, so see if you remember. But so Frank and Billy are both shown reading books, and the books are quite key. They were so. There was Moby Dick. Yes. About a man constantly chasing after some kind of great big monster that he can't catch. Yes. So it's and like, it's such so a quest for revenge. <laughs> yes. Yes. So it's like cons, like uh, lost at sea fixated on something that they won't achieve vengeance those kinds of themes mm -hmm. another one was a collection of essays by f scott fitzgerald i believe yes it was and i i did because i noticed that they were reading books and i was like the books are significant this is going to come up in the quiz and i i looked <laughs> up this book and i can't remember but there was a quote from it where i was like yes i get it that's i can't remember what the themes were now so they were basically written when he was very depressed and seeing the hopelessness in situations and about everything falling apart and this like futile desire to change them that's what the book is about right. okay the no. crack up i don't think we studied it you need the crack up no no we're too busy reading you if it's know. not i mean if it's not great gatsby i don't know what else he wrote so what? apparently he wrote the crack Wait. up as well <laughs> and the, yeah. the other one i noticed was life of pi which i guess is survival lost at sea again mm -hmm. um, and also i guess um uh what is real and what is fiction yeah very nice there's a little bit of that as well in there mm -hmm. which i guess there's there's a little bit of that because um a lot of them are suffering from sort of various distorted memories and dreams um lewis the radicalized guy is seeing the world in a way that it not isn't really is not really how it exists yeah um, and stuff like that i guess uh yeah that was a harder one to connect up life of pi but that's a hard it, book so yeah it's true and then there's um billy's reading the picture the picture of dorian gray no <laughs> of course he is yeah um <laughs> not just because he was in it but, because... <laughs> but the whole like his soul and he's good looking on the outside but inside he's like completely deformed and dying yeah and it, he's putting so much emphasis on her being good looking and mm. obviously it ain't, it's a kind of a foreshadowing of what's going to come. Yeah. Portrait yeah. is going to fall away and yeah. Um, I'm just seeing if there were any others. It was actually Ben Barnes's ideas to include the picture of Dorian Gray. He's like, I was in the film. And he's, I love, he's actually a big book, book person. So, you know, mm. but there's a tweet where someone was like, oh, bless whoever thought of giving Ben Barnes a Dorian Gray book in that one scene. And then Ben Barnes is tweeting about like, yeah, that was my idea. Cautionary tales of narcissism. It's like, well done, Ben. Mm -hmm. He should have he should have suggested um, Prince Caspian as well. He should have done. Just Imagine he's reading it. Prince Caspian. Like, Shadow and Bone when that comes out. Um, one. There was one other book and I can't... Cy, Cyborg Barbie Dolls? 
Oh, no, I didn't notice that one. I don't know it. I was in Micro's hideout. Why have I said cyborg with a D? I feel like I've lost... It's a, it's a book on feminism, isn't it? I have no idea. It's about the post-human body. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying. Sounds hot. <laughs> it does. Let's read that next. Whoa, skip a, skip a thing. So it explores the idea of the post-human and the ways it's represented in you know, popular culture. But I don't think that that one's as relevant. I feel like the two that we've picked out and mm. the book of essays are the most relevant to the plot. We notice the relevant ones. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I feel the Moby Dick thing is quite a sledgehammer hint. Ooh, it's a futile yeah. quest and maybe he shouldn't be on it. He might as well be reading the Punisher comic books. He might as well. He's like, oh, no, really, it's a bad idea. It's like, ooh. <laughs> but uh, there we go. Um, this is the only Marvel slash Netflix se- only Marvel Netflix series to not feature someone. Who is that person? Claire Temple. She's missing. You're correct. Bam. Yes. Yeah. Where did she go? Why didn't she right. get in this? Apparently, it just wasn't possible due to schedule problems. But I was like, surely you could find a way because she is. I I think they've run out of things to do with her. I yeah. found in Iron Fist and the Defenders, they can. All she did was turn up and talk about how ridiculous the situation is. Mm. I was like, thanks, but you're also a nurse. So you're night nurse. So <laughs> you need to just get on board with that. Get rid of people's colds. <laughs> what you do, it says on the packet. It literally does, but don't operate any heavy machinery at the same time. Um, Marvel and Netflix had to pull the series from the 2017 New York Comic Con. I'm guessing you'll guess why. They had to pull it from the 2017 Comic Con. Yeah, they had to pull it. It was meant to air, and then they were like, let's remove. Oh, because it's too violent? Because of the Las Vegas shooting. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Thing, yeah. I mean, you are correct. It was too violent. but yes, it was... the, Yeah, the violence. It's like, I'm sure there was something else like this. Wasn't there that awful cinema shooting when Batman was due to come out or something? Uh, I'm not sure. There's been quite a few instances where, because there's been quite a few America shootings in America where they've had to change scheduling of things. I think they had to do it with that. There was a shooting in a church in Texas, I think, in the last year or so. Um, yeah, yeah. there's been all sorts of things like that. Um, and, you know. There's that yeah. South Park episode where they're just like, oh, another shooting. They're always rolling their eyes because it's like, oh. God, here it goes this again. Has been so, but you look at the statistics compared to other countries, and you just say, "Jesus Christ, you need to do." You need, I know, I know, I don't have a plan, but someone's got to find a plan. Someone needs a plan. It's just yeah. something, guys. Yeah. It's hard, and when you try and bring it up, I've noticed people are like, "Oh, just because you don't have any guns." It's like, well, I mean, I don't, but that doesn't mean that I can't comment on the situation. <laughs> I think yeah. you what's wrong here. <sighs> anyway, did you spot Stan Lee? Yes. Yes, I did see him. Um, but I can't remember where he was. He was was he driving? No. no. He's on a giant, giant poster in episode 13. Oh no, I didn't spot him in that case. Um, do you know who Billy turns into? Like what's his supervillain name? Mm, no. Um Dorian Gray. Again, it's a name that we've brought up today oh. <laughs> without planning, but is he is it Billy the Kid? It's Jigsaw. Ah, oh. Oh yeah. So um because of his face being all like 
Oh, up. so it's like broken apart like a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, uh, not like I'm going to kill everyone with little intricate traps. <laughs> oh, yes, there will be bloods. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's that's that one. Um, did you recognise the uh, the bikers? Uh, what bikers? I didn't see any bikers, but I assume they're the bikers that are in Daredevil. Yes. Because they're the only other bikers. <laughs> the dogs of hell. Dogs no? of hell, that's it. Um, he kind of kills them quite horribly, knocks them off their bikes and then just runs them both over. <laughs> Oh, that, oh, them. Oh, okay. Oh, oh. <laughs> didn't see that <laughs> coming. Those poor little dogs of hell. They didn't know. Um, do you remember what the first episode of The Punisher was called? No, I do not. It was 3am. 3am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you think why that might be relevant? 3am. Was his family killed at 3am? Well, maybe, but that's he's usually waking up from nightmares of them dying, as you pointed out. Oh, oh, I was almost right there. You were pretty much almost right. I mean, you could be right. There could be that as well to it that I am not aware of. So, mm. and then also, like a couple of clever people have pointed out that when Netflix premieres, it's normally at midnight Pacific Standard Time. Mm. So, over in New York, where the Punisher operates, it would be three a.m. Eastern Standard. Oh, <laughs> I know, I was like, God, I only know British British time. This means nothing to me. <laughs> these, these Reddit people, they have too much time on their hands. <laughs> they do. And that was pretty much my last question because it's hard finding questions about TV shows. That was quite a substantial quiz, though, for a oh, TV thank show. Thank you very much. Yeah. I mean, I should have gone into this Vietnam, Vietnam War situation because then I could have quizzed you about that, but... The, ne- next Punisher series. There we go. Questions yeah. about the Vietnam War. We'll just I know, do a I know, I've, I've watched documentaries about it. The Vietnam War is very interesting. Mm. Oh God, it is. Just horrifying. Oh, he was named one of the greatest comic books characters of all time. He's in the top 20. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, he's number 19. Oh, wow. He's just in the top 20. <laughs> he just made it in. He's the grimmest and most compelling of characters, according to Empire. Oh, Empire would love him. He's so macho. Every yeah. time Empire do a top 100 films, they're like, we love The Godfather, The Shining, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I know. I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah, mate. We're, we're going to do our own version of that at the, where I work. That's a big thing we're working on, the new top 100 films. Mm. As selected by women. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the slightly slightly more diverse choices <laughs> yeah just a little bit different you know rather than just always the same it's always like godfather part two is always number one isn't it mm, yeah always no godfather part one for empire then they put godfather part two they put godfather part two is terrible it's i never everyone will tell you it's the best one horrendous it's so boring <laughs> it's so boring literally everyone was always like it's the best one like godfather one is so overrated. godfather two is where it's at no man no you know what's not boring though what finding out what's next on our list tell me it is another brand new series i say brand new it was in 2017 but it's brand new like we're living in the past that's fine (laughs) (laughs) um it's a series that yeah it's not one we've done we're going back to disney like i said netflix disney netflix disney and we're going to watch Runaways. Oh. That was a very unenthusiastic oh. 
was it? <laughs> Did it seem like I was unimpressed? It was either unenthusiastic or uh, I'd have no idea what that is kind of oh. No, I just forgot about the runaways. I don't know uh, why. It just slipped from my mind. You know how it is. <laughs> Oh, good. Well, you can oh. revise it on IMDb or Reddit or wherever you get your wonderful quiz questions from. I will just rewatch it and then come up with them in my own brain. <laughs> it yeah, was on Hulu. Brain. It was a Hulu one. So, yeah, but it's on Disney know. Plus. I checked yeah. just in case I had spent money on buying it. <laughs> oh, God. No, I just, I remember it. It's just in my head because it was Hulu. I have it in a slightly elevated world, to, mm. uh, which is very uncool of me. Snob. It's very snobbery, yeah. It is snobbery of me, not cool. <laughs> it is snobbery of me. I don't know what's on wrong that, with my words. On that ungrammatical note, I'm going to stop. It's late. <laughs> You've been listening to an episode of The Marvel Virgin. If you'd like to join in the conversation, you can tweet us at The Marvel Virgin. We hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll tune in to the next fact-filled episode.